welcome to our podcast. Uh, this is Aaron, uh, me Aaron, and my mother Lisa. Hello. And uh, this is the uh, second episode in our series of uh, vampire movies that we want to discuss. And um, in this one, we will talk about uh, Jimmy Armusk's uh, vampire film, Only Lovers Left Alive. But um, before that, uh, we still want to say something a little about the previous uh, movie that we discussed about, uh, Let the Right One In, because there were some thoughts that uh, we remembered afterwards only, or that, or that we started to think about again. So Yes, I said in the last podcast, in this Let the Right One In, in the end, I said how useful it is to watch movies uh, again, maybe one time more or many times more, and then... I was what I got myself interested in this letter right letter right one in because we were watching it watching it and talking about it. so I watched it again after mm. <laughs> and I found new things and uh, I realized that the like you said that the Ellie had no had shoes so I watched yeah she had shoes on and in the American movie, she didn't have really shoes. And also, um, the boy had a, a shirt. This uh, Oscar had a shirt, a sportive, sportive shirt at school, which was written in Finnish. Karhu. Mm. Karhu. Bear. In Finnish word. And the bear picture was a little one, which you hardly know, don't notice if you don't know. Yeah. If you don't watch. So, all yeah. kinds of... Uh, of uh, details I saw and then I thought about it, it was in my mind this Alfredson himself this Thomas Alfredson that I started to think that he's really making movies uh, with emotion all his movies are emotional movies mm. there's this a soft movie with emotions like like this Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy he's, he is a uh, a gentle spy there, just opposite Bond. Nothing mm. muscular and energetic and running or jumping or anything. He's a soft spy mm. with emotions. And so typical Alfredson. So I, I, I'm happy I realized that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I, I kind of, uh, I, I now remembered, like I, I realized, um, Afterwards, after the podcast, that uh, when we were starting, when we were talking about left, let the right one in, one specific uh, detail about the story that it, how it connects to the vampire, that really kind of I found very interesting is that um, because usually in the history of vampire fiction, uh, in the no early novels and uh, movies, how it how they started to explore vampires um, in fiction. It was very, um, like we also talked in the previous podcast, that um, there's a lot about exploration of sexual taboos in society that they try to uh, analyze through the vampire uh, characters. And this has been a very like, strong element of vampire fiction, they they are kind of a sexual character, you know. They yeah. they, they are tempests. They they lure people and they 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 
yeah, they hypnotize their victims, you know, and uh, and this is how they hunt, you know, this is the the the, the relation with the hunter and the prey. You know, there's this sexual tension, and the interesting thing about uh, that Swedish film, Let the Right One In, is that it's not really a sexual film. They yeah. don't explore vampire mm. uh, symbol or element through a sexual element. It's um, there is hints of it and there is layers of it in Down There's, but in in overall, in the core of the film, it's a love story and a relationship story between two kids and the the fact that the girl is a vampire is not explored in a sexual way she's not yeah. hunting yeah. others uh, or or her relationship to the boy is not based on that that certain sexual taboo it's maybe another kind of taboo or another kind of in like for example the relation of well, what use it the the um, evil and the the relation of evil and uh, what what is the word the superstition superstition and evil uh, yeah. uh, it's more like relation of this but uh, and that I found is very interesting and this this same element is very which uh, present also in the the movie that we are now going to talk about, Only Lovers Just Alive, that this movie is also very far from me, very uh, outside of that sexual uh, aspect, which is very interesting that we now talk about two vampire movies that don't really yeah, go yeah. into that that element of, of vampires. Yeah, yeah, they live, first of all, they live far away from each other. The Eve, the woman Eve woman vampire, she lives in Tangier, in Morocco, and the man, Adam, mm. lives in Detroit. Just opposite of yeah. the world, in the world, and opposite of the old type of a town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that points it out that they're so, they're living apart. Mm. And, and they're married, I understood. What? They're, they're married, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it's, I, I actually, I don't really care about it when I'm, when I'm watching the movie I don't really notice it yeah, or yeah. think about it mm. even I think they're just together and yeah yeah and Adam and Eve so maybe yeah. they're Adam and Eve really. yeah yeah they're just really Adam and Eve Adam and Eve weren't <laughs> married in a way <laughs> but um, yeah this this movie uh, it's uh, uh, made by of course one of uh, my favorite filmmakers Jim Musk. I hope I pronounce his name correctly. I think Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch. Yeah. yeah. Which I've known uh, throughout my, my childhood uh, and uh, I love every single movie of him and this is the it was very very interesting when I because um, he makes very particular movies uh, uh, and who who knows him of course knows how what kind of movies he makes um, and for people who don't know him it's it's very, it's kind of hard to also explain what the, the 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 types of movies. But every time he feels like he makes something different, even though they always feel very much like his movies and his style. And it was very surprising that he 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 announced that he was going to make a vampire movie. But of course, it was very exciting to see what he could make out of it. And the movie that he made in the end was very very. Uh, 
new way or alternative way of looking at vampire characters and vampire movies uh, story and it's about like I was thinking earlier today I was thinking about the story like how how would I describe the story of the movie and in the end I felt like there is not really a, a central plot in the movie there is no uh, central uh, like let me let me let me try to explain like there is not really when I try to think about what is the story about it's I don't get a one central plot it's kind of scenes after each other and it's kind of uh, um, more like um, a moment in their life of of these vampire characters and but I think that there there uh, is Jim Jarmusch's style is that he makes this. Now think about coffee and cigarettes. Mm-hmm. That's the fi- movie which you told me about Jim Jarmusch and that how I started Jim Jarmusch uh, admiration. I have uh-huh. so this this is a pl- episodes with mm-hmm. coffee and cigarettes. They're sitting and discussing, and then there's this uh, broken flowers. Also episodes mm-hmm. of this uh, Bill Murray's life. Yeah. Of, and then, then I have seen this um, wonderful man. Is wonderful actor Isaac de Bancole in yeah. uh, the Limits of Control. So yeah. there is a kind of a, which we follow, but also kind of episodes. He is the type who yeah, makes those episodes. It's, it's very. It's like the 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 story is basically the one sentence description of of the overall. Uh, event you know like like limits of control is a, a assassin trying to get to his uh, target yes but, you know but there is so but that doesn't really explain anything it doesn't and explain because you know that I watched that movie because of Jim Jarmusch name mm-hmm. and I fell in love with it even if it's some critic gave it only two three stars or something and said yeah, it's, it's not uh, special but I think it's Really special. I, it's fascinating, and and I did, the first time I saw that limit of control, I didn't even realize that uh, didn't care if it's uh, what happened in that his assassin. I've watched this man's journey. Yeah. Go yeah. and the meeting all those people. It's, yeah. And the second time, I'm more impressed about the the assassin thing in it. Mm. And then there is another do- uh, film which from him, this ghost dog, The Way of the Samurai. Huh? And but that <laughs> it shows the shows the side of Jim Sharmus that he he has been seeing a lot of films because that's from mm. Jean Pierre Melville, Le Samurai, this mm. Alain Delon film which I love. I and <laughs> so it's after that I think, but mm. in a bit a black person. Yeah, and yeah. he also he has these black people. Or, or he doesn't differ between people, just like Tarantino, I think. Jim mm. Jarmusch, he don't see people's colors. And exactly. Yeah. Even this um, this uh, limits of control is made. It credits say that it's USA, Japan, uh, American mm. Japanese film, and so so my point. My point in this, uh, in all this talking is to say that what I think 
Jim Jarmusch's uh, <coughs> purpose in this, his movies is um, to tell about individuals' position in society. Mm. How, how he relates to, how a person relates to the surroundings. Yeah. All of those films. Mm. That's very interesting uh, That's the idea. Yes. The the film is it's about like uh, in the movie we follow two vampires a couple that have been living together for decades, uh, decades yeah, maybe already. From, maybe from the time beginning of the times. Yeah, actually, um, um, the. Oh, he the, him by the way. Wait, I was about to say something. <laughs> so, uh, actually, Tilda Swinton, Swinton uh, um, mentioned their their ages in one of the interviews that uh, her character Eve was. Uh, she said she was three thousand years old, and oh, Adam's character Adam. was yeah. five hundred years old. Only. Yeah, only. Uh, but how did she know that? It's a, it's how they imagined it. How they imagined, but it's not said in the film. Not said in the film, but that was in the background when they were playing the characters. That was how they uh, interpreted the characters, and you oh. can see this in in the Tell film. Me. It's That's it's I didn't know. It's basically it is the whole movie is basically uh, a character story observing uh, a vampire woman and vampire man who have who are a couple who have been together for centuries and decades, one three thousand years, one, one five hundred years, and it's now them in the modern life, like modern time, uh, we kind of just drop in to their kind of current state of relationship, and they we just kind of start observing their how they live as vampires uh, and as these really really old humans. And the, who the, is the humans? Well, the, what, what I don't mean, try, what I uh, mean about humans is like they are vampires in the movie, and they, uh, for example, Adam lives in this uh, big mansion or not a mansion but a huge, huge house in Detroit, uh, in the outskirts of Detroit somewhere. I don't know exactly where. And he's totally isolated from everybody's always dark when he's around. And he has this one human assistant who comes and goes. Again, that oh, assistant mythology that, that makes errands for him and yeah. he brings him guitars and things like that. So it's all a kind of like, because he's a musician and he's like really into this old uh, technology and old stuff. And, and he's like an inventor of himself and stuff like that. Um, so there is this human assistant, but what I mean about humans in relation to the vampires is that the uh, what I mean is that the interesting thing about this film and also about Letter Write One In is that in terms of uh, vampires and vampire mythology is that um, like you said also in the previous podcast that. The vampires, originally vampires weren't really vampires. They were just these demons or spirits that or you know, uh, monsters that came out from their graves and 
They were just people. people. Normal yeah. people who died, the others thought they, those are the bad people and they won't keep, they were afraid they won't keep in the graves. Yeah. And they, they kind of, they were scared that they would turn into these monsters. So they would say they would stuff their mouth full of uh, rocks or they would turn the body upside down in the grave. Not, or... Yeah, upside down. We would know where the legs are so that the head had to be. Yeah, that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These kind of things. Uh, mm. Yeah, so they severed the head and they put it in the on the leg, so they they couldn't move. They they felt like the 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 body when it would come out of the grave that it wouldn't find its way or it couldn't um, maneuver itself and stuff like that. They would have this very strong superstition of this. This and monsters. also this uh, pole through the heart. Wooden yeah. pole had to be through the heart. Yeah, and they yeah. put like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that, and mm. and they would have this fear, like they would have all these stories that in the night the, somebody would disappear, there would be drained of blood, or the cattle would be gone, and stuff like this, and this all kind of superstition. Yeah, and this is what was all around the world, uh, these kind of things, and vampires themselves kind of came from the Balkan area, Serbia and Croatia, and all this uh, Romanian area, but. Uh, they weren't really vampires originally. Like uh, vampires is a very modern term that we centralized of all this, this this certain character that we have created for it. And it, if if we think about it, of the origin of it, it all was uh, mainly it was like a monster. Mainly it was like an evil creature that would hunt humans and. Uh, if we now look at these movies, let the right one in, after the whole evolution of vampires in movies, and we look at let the right one in and only lost of life, we don't see this grave aspect. We don't see them coming out of their grave and starting to haunt people. We don't see them as monsters. Mm. The Ellie in the let right one in the little girl, she's not a monster, she's not a evil creature. She's very human. Mm. She's a human that has certain restrictions and certain limitations within that she can work in and only lovers for life they also uh, feel very human they don't even hunt anybody they have a very sophisticated creatures that they how they they get their blood from the hospital that they try to get as much pure as possible just like we try to get food they are just kind of different way of looking at human you know they are mm. more they how Timur must himself have said that they are sophisticated humans and he when people described his vampires that they are not humans he, or like monsters they, he, he replied that they are very much humans because they are not dead they are not they haven't died and then became something they are not zombies they are just turned into this vampire but they came from human they are very mm. human the human is still in them so to me, these films like Let the Right One In and especially Only, Lovers Left, Only Lovers Left Alive are very humanistic movies. Yes, it is, you can uh, somehow identify yourself with the film. Yeah, and, and this is in this way they are, we can see this Only Lovers Left Alive movie as an exploration of humanity. Yeah. They are all the time in the movie they are talking about humans and human history and human culture and technology and the state of human society and 
Yeah, yeah, you have this humanity, you notice, and I notice this individual's position in society. It's the same thing. What do you mean by the individual position? It's a, it's a kind of a, what, what person, one person's dilemma, how he is related to others. And it's an eternal dilemma, because there is, they should, you are alone. Yeah. And, the, uh, and the, you are, and he stresses the individual. She's one person, individual. He don't take groups and things. He just concentrates on individuals. Yeah, in, in a way, these characters are very isolated. They're very, because they have to hide in some mm. ways, and they have to very much create their own... Um, Protected yeah. surroundings. Yeah, they have to kind of protect their own lifestyle, their own living, and they have to all the time be very conscious of how where they are and how they are going to do it, and because of daylight and because of blood and all these things. Mm. And so they are very kind of isolated in their own individual way of life and how they live, and they kind of try to maneuver themselves inside the society the best way they can. I think that this evil character who is played by, uh, acted by Tilda Swinton is perfect role for her. Just yeah. perfect. She's so, because she's a pale person by nature, so she's a perfect vampire, blonde. Yeah, it was written for her, right. the part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aha, yeah, yeah, okay. But also, this Adam, this Tom Hiddleston, it's He's wonderful. He's so you, immediately you like him because he's a musician. Yeah. You love that thing, and he knows so much. And also, Eve knows a lot. But but she she's going on books. She uh, spends her time reading. Mm-hmm. All thousands of years she's been reading, and they are so important to her that she takes them along to Detroit, the most important mm-hmm. books she can. And then Adam, he's. But you know what happened to me when I, afterwards I started to be interested in Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. So I look at him and I could re- I would have never recognized that that's the person, that's Adam. <laughs> he looks so different. Tilda Swinton, you realize, he, she's so original looking, uh, mm. you know, a special looking person, even with that hair in the movie. So. Mm. Beautiful hair, wow. So this Tom Hiddleston, he's, his character is not at all like him, him in a normal, ordinary life. Mm. But I just loved him. In, in that. He must be good in him. I haven't seen him any other, but he must be good anyway. Mm. So, so, so what happens here is that this, uh, Tom, this uh, Adam, Tom Hiddleston, Adam is depressed, I think, because yeah. in the beginning time he's, uh, he's uh, ordering from Ian to get him a bullet of, of wood, very hard wood, yeah. because it has to be hard wood for, for a vampire to die, put through his heart so he can die. Yeah, I think it's... He to shoot himself, I think, and nobody else. It's yeah. Obvious, no? He's very depressed. Yeah, and so uh, Eve has to come to to him. After after hearing about their ages, that Eve is three thousand years old and Adam is five hundred years old, it feels like almost like as if Adam is going through a middle age crisis. You know, like even in the movie, it's very clear like he's going through this kind of and a Eve crisis has, moment. And Eve is already like three thousand years. She's already gone through this this process yeah. of you know like just 
all the experience of uh, yeah. lifetimes, and she's the right person to help him. Yeah, exactly, that and that's that really sets up the beauty of of the relationship and the movies that she's in in Morocco and and Adam is in in Detroit, and then uh, Eve just hears about Adam and about. Uh, his current situation and feels like he's very depressed and then she just flies to Detroit to to be with him and it's interesting that they first were so far away from each other for apparently quite some time but they they just from that one second they can just come together and they they feel you can feel this extreme deep love between them that yeah. they have this long history and they they live up to every day, you know, uh, and it feels like even stronger. Yeah. From that, yeah. So, uh, so I I didn't know before you told me now that he was three thousand years old. So <laughs> yeah. I, I put it all on books because she's reading all those books and she seems to be very wise. And mm -hmm. I thought it's all. Of course, over all that reading and experiencing and um, time, so I thought it's from those. Mm -hmm. But uh, now I understand that it's uh, from the living. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. And uh, so, so um, you know that I want to say something about these peoples. Yeah. The characters more or something? Yeah. Because I thought to go to Tangier already. You, you can choose. <laughs> I, I can go to Tangier. <laughs> yeah, you can so, go. <laughs> uh, you know that Tangier is a very familiar place for me. Yeah. And uh, you surely don't know why. Uh-huh. I haven't been there. You haven't been but, there. You know, but it's a very familiar place for me. And it's a very familiar place for every Finnish person. Yeah. Also to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we have this special game, a board game in Finland called African Star <laughs> and African Tahti. Yeah. And it's it's sold to six, 16 different languages all over the world. It's millions and millions of uh, copies sold all over. The, it's still and it's done. It was done in 1951. Yeah. Yeah. So every every yeah. child or grown up or anybody yeah, plays in Finland, in Finland for sure. Everybody knows African yeah. Star. African Star. So uh, the shortly said that uh, this board game is the best game ever, <laughs> ever board game. No, it's it's a board game of a map of Africa, and you have two cities where you can start the game. You can mm -hmm. put your knob knob on on Tangier in Morocco or mm -hmm. Cairo in Egypt. And mm. you, you can choose which one you leave. And okay. it's very exciting which one you go. And then you have to go all around Africa and find the African star. The diamonds yeah, The biggest Africa. diamond in the world. And when you find it, the, you don't win then. No, you have to go with, with the star back to where you came from. If you left Tangier, you go back to Tangier. <laughs> and if you go to Cairo, to Cairo, and all kinds of calamities on the way, and it's so exciting yeah. for anybody who's learned to talk, talk or can start to play it. Yeah. So Tangier is a very familiar place. Yeah, yeah. Immediately, and uh, for all the Finnish. Is that how you remembered it? Yeah, that's how I remember it. Tangier. So, 
But we don't call it Tangier. In Finland, we call it Tang. Tang. Tangerine. Tang. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> Tanger. 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 Yeah, and Cairo. Uh, and then, you know that it's, of course, it reminds you of dangerous. Tangier like danger. Because danger, in Tangier, yeah. no, it's known that in Tangier it was a special place for spies in history. Mm. Bond, in many Bond films they use it because of that, but in reality a spice. No mm. kind of, it's a place where Europe and Africa meet mm. on the African side. It's, you know, it, that's the place and it's a international, very international place with the uh, relations between all mm. kinds of, all the kinds of uh, countries, nationalities and things. It's a dangerous place, so Tangier is danger. Yeah. And in, in Finnish, when you talk Finnish, uh, when you talk English, <laughs> it's called Tankero, England. <laughs> What's yeah. Tankero? Yeah, in Finland, when you talk English, you, do, you, you don't really know how to pronounce it. You pronounce it like the Finns pronounce <laughs> words. Just like they are written, Tangero, Tangero, yeah. Tangero. So Tangero Englanti, Tangero <laughs> English. It's a specialty of Finland, so we are very familiar with this. Is, is that how it's how the Finnish English is called, Tangero English? Yeah, <laughs> and it was it's even uh, kind of official because our foreign minister in 1950s or, or 60s or whatever, this was <laughs> he used to talk like it's written. Yeah. Tankero English, and he he worked that way around the world. Yeah, <laughs> very ridiculous, but that's, it's it's yeah, it's that's, kind that's, of fascinating. It's always every Finnish uh, every Finnish um, shame is all the international politics politicians and uh, sport yeah. uh, sport people who have to be uh, outside of Finland and have interviews, and then they have to talk this. Tongero English, mm. uh, and we are always so ashamed, like oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you can hear it also in our accent. This there, we have this Finnish accent, even if we try to pronounce things as good as we can. Yeah. Um, so now you have the explanation why we talk like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, <laughs> we but anyway, Eve is very sophisticated woman vampire woman in Tangier and very international and like they were in those. There are countless movies made from that uh, that Tangier, you know? Yeah. It happened in Tangier. Bond, for instance, in many films is there. Different Bonds. Silviar mm. <laughs> said himself that he wanted to uh, film in Tangerine because he liked it himself. It was one of his favorite cities. Yeah. And there's also, of course, this very, you can see it in the film, this atmosphere, you know, this, oh, yeah. it's very mm. different from the Western American culture, you know, and the, the, the way people behave, what they consume, how they... Yeah, but it's a, he has made the script, this Jim Jarmusch himself, he has made the script for you. And it's a, sometimes in this film you have a hard time to believe really what's happening. Like like in Tangier, Eve doesn't go on biting people. 
No. She goes, she gets supplies yeah. of blood. Just like uh, in Detroit, this, uh, <coughs> Adam goes as Faust, Dr. Not Doctor Faust. Doctor Faust is is a is a pun pun word for for this Christopher Marlowe. But uh, uh, she gets supplies yeah. by Christopher Marlowe, yeah. which is John Hurt mm. acting, and not acting very well. I think <laughs> at all, but very interesting. So it's a kind of a joke, so jokes, a very kind of a surface thing. That what do you mean? The script that she gets surprised by Vlad. It's kind of a joke, you see. No? W- why is it a joke? It's not a very serious vampire who goes for hunt by herself and so on. Ah. She gets more than blood. Well, I, I, I suppose the, the, the idea of why they use supplies is that they wanted to, or Charmus, or like, they wanted to present them more sophisticated. It's, they are like, Modern. Yeah, they are very modern, sophisticated, and they kind <laughs> of have over, well, three thousand years time. They have kind of settled with the idea, like why bother all the time hunt people, and then you also make yourself just more vulnerable in the society because you just create confusion and chaos and this this fear. Uh, why not rather, you know, use your head and use your intellect to kind of try to find supplies, you know. And the same way gets, as humans don't just the same way as humans just don't go hunting still. Uh, they don't they are not dependent on just base, basic hunting. They are, they have secured food for themselves so that they they wouldn't be you go to a shop to buy your food, you are not going to hunt your food. You are a sophisticated human. Yeah. And that's how I think they way to try to kind of approach these vampire characters as a way of they they have settled in this life. And then there is this one interesting part in the film, which is actually the story that I was earlier saying, which is yeah. the sister of Eve. The, the only kind of, uh, in a way, story that you can, or the event that has a certain arc or narration in the story is that they, Adam and Eve meet, of course, they are together and then... In Detroit. In Detroit, and then out of out of the blue, Eve's sister, <laughs> yeah. sister appears. Yeah, Eva. E- Eva. Ava. Ava. Eva. Eva. Yeah. And the other one's Eve, Eve, and the other one's Ava. Yeah. And, Eve and, and Eva. this sister, who is seems to be much younger than Sis, who is played by Mia Vasikovska. Yeah, and she she kind of represents this uh, wild wilder side and kind of mm. um uh mischievous kind of, yeah and very opposite she, she's like a teenager of the group and she kind of creates a little chaos in their sophisticated way of life because she doesn't uh just uh, she doesn't follow the rules exactly. Well, yeah, she doesn't follow their rules, and she doesn't really, you know, uh, find supplies for her. More as far finding a, finding a prey out of certain just, you know, uh, improvisation. You know, improvisation that she just yeah. out of. She's kind of like they. They are. You could say that Adam and Eve are more like uh, intellectual and they're sophisticated, wherein Ava is more like. Uh, Instinct, like mm. she hunts with, with she she gets blood through instinct. You know, she. Yeah, this is a strange thing to have a sister. Yeah, and 
Yeah. It's, it's kind of in a in a some sense uh, they they are really frustrated by her because especially Adam and in a way you it it makes them even more human because it shows that they cannot you cannot uh, uh, change your family yeah. <laughs> you have to live with who you have <laughs> but yeah. uh, in she some... goes to, straight to the fridge and drinks the blood <laughs> yeah it's, it's oh. really frustrating also for me when I was watching it but. Also, they I think that they they did try to make it. Uh, it's like this fresh character. Also, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's very there is there's certain freedom to her action, it's like how you said now that, that you you felt like Adam and Eve are very surface level vampires, but if, then you you talked about why they don't go and hunt their blood and be vampires. Well, I think Mia, the the character of Ava, well, she is who she is. She's a vampire. <laughs> she is full of this vampire instinct, this vampirist. There is this, there is this sexual underlay in her character, and she kind of is more of that, that, more of that, that classic vampire that we know. And it's interesting to balance between these two. Yes, she's kind, kind of, of a teenager, and she can say not like a normal teenager. We are, we are very happy to to see her and meet her because she can do what we cannot do as teenagers. She can do all those bad things because she is not uh, she can't die yeah she's <laughs> or, or, or I, 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 she can die and, and I'm all the time feeling like she's on the border she's kind of playing with her life because she doesn't know what she's doing and that's why they are so frustrated because they have secured their life for centuries but mm. basically she also of course I think it's uh, she doesn't have the also, interest but like like Eve has books and uh, Adam has music. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think if if she's as old as they are, mm. has she been like this for centuries? You no, know, she looks teenager? like young, just born. <laughs> but how is how comes this is then the sister of? Uh, yeah, how come so, he has a sister? So this is Jim Jarmusch's idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also I also uh, heard about this um, interesting thing that they Yarmus um, said about the mythology that there was uh, um, because there's always this vampire mythology. There's always elements in it like uh, the fangs, or you cannot uh, see they cannot uh, have the sunlight, or they have to cannot be, in, be seen in mirror. Yeah, and they have to be invited inside. And there's all these uh, mythological elements into them, and they wanted to add something new to yeah. this to this mythology. To say, to, they invented the gloves. Oh, the, wow. the characters have these leather gloves yeah, yeah. the movie, and uh, because especially Eve. See when she takes them off, she can, and if she feels some kind of material, she can determine how old, how old that material is. Like she yeah, just yeah. touches uh, Adam's clothing and says that oh, this is like 50 years old rope mm. that you are wearing, or 100, I don't know. And they don't wear them outside; they only take them off inside when they are at home. Uh, because they are so delicate and stuff, so they kind of in, invented this another layer of mythology. And when asked why, why did you do that, Yarmus said, "Well, because they wanted to do something of their own, and because it's cool. Uh, it just looks cool. It has no real survival thing. 
Well, yeah, you you can say this in some ways, real survival thing. But I think with Charmus, there's always this level of coolness and style. He he it's, seems to me this Jim Charmus more like he's a teenager type forever. <laughs> he has this playfulness. So this yeah. this kind of that's what I meant like jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, he has this certain humor and certain like the the film balances on the level of being a little bit. Uh, like that was the main challenge, I think. What they also were doing while making the film is to balance between that that it it doesn't look campy and kind of out of style, you know. Like you could yeah. this kind of film with these kind of characters, you can make it so easily into kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you said, like this surface level and this, and they you can see it there that it's kind of stupid in a way. Mm. But he balances it out so so yeah, delicately. Yeah, he goes on a thin line. Really. Yeah, and when you when you look at this movie, for me especially, it's so beautiful and so like you. I'm totally sucked into this world and into these characters. Yeah, like, for sure. I'm, I'm totally. I believe everything. Yeah. They they give me and I feel it. There's. I take it kind of serious in a way. Oh you know, yeah. Even though there is that yeah. naiveness and that humor also. That's the, the thing, the seriousness. That's how I was introduced to vampires, mm. first of all. Yeah, Just yeah. because he took it seriously and made a serious film of, yeah. a playful serious film of vampires. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that this was like the gateway movie for you to vampires. Yeah. After this, you kind of. I despise this terrible stupidity of the idea, but now then I turn my mind. Yeah, I think from this the, the 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 way of how only lovers left alive deal with vampires is that, which is only I think the similar way of how Letter White One in dealt with vampires is that they were in in the Swedish film they didn't care really about vampires but in this one, the the idea is just to use the vampire element to tell something else you know that it's not really a horror movie or it's it's a vampire movie, but really, no. really, the vampire is just an excuse to have these characters, to have characters that have lived long way, long time. I think the time is more relevant than the vampire. I was just about to say that. I I think so. I I came to that conclusion myself that it's about a person's relation to time, how to live. Yeah. That's that's what it's all about. And and what? How do you think that the name "Only Lovers Left Alive" linked to? Yeah, this is this was a problem for me because the end was the only thing I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't like the ending where you bare your teeth and attack like. Yeah, they they are very very sophisticated all throughout the film, but then in the end they kind of there's this one part or element in them that kind of shows the in a way, monstrous side or the instinct yeah. side, that vampire side in them. They were forced to do that because of the supply went, but so, 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 but they have all the experience of 3,000 years. So, so they see this young couple who is in love, lovers, but they are not left alive. So only lovers left alive, so it's them. Even Adam. It's like stronger against the weak? No, like who can survive? I don't know. I didn't realize what is the name. 
I, I don't know really, because the, I think what was left alive is the lovers of Eve, Eve and Adam. Mm. But why to put this young couple who is lovers there? Well, they also mentioned, uh, uh, in during the movie, they actually mentioned, uh, or they talk about the time when humans will be gone, or humans will be... Uh, that the time when people are going to die. Oh, now we come to this, to my favorite, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, my favorite subject, I mean, this uh, vampire, <laughs> vampire yeah. has become my favorite. So. Yeah. But you know that there is a, a movie called the Daybreakers? Yeah. You know it? You have seen yeah, it? Yeah, I know it, but I haven't seen it yet. I saw it. Uh, with this vampire subject, I looked at all the vampire movies, mm. and Ethan Hawke, is in the is the yeah. vampire he's a vampire mm. and the vampires have become the rulers of the world and they have you know in daybreakers the vampires are the rulers mm -hmm. and they have the world it's it's a long film and it's uh, all these details of what, uh, this desperation between surviving yeah but the vampires are the majority yeah and the humans so, are minority so it's interesting uh, yeah yeah. So that's it. So, so there, there it happens. One yeah. film, it's I've seen that one film. Yeah, happens. and I think it's also there's like an interesting question similar between this film is that like in that film like the question is like humans are minorities, so actually the blood is getting less, the resource of blood is getting fewer. Like then what again? I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but the daybreakers. The story is that there is then uh, this uh, real person, human, which this uh, vampire, Aidan Hawke, is, uh, is they, they invent a method which they can, uh, you know, with the blood thing that they can... Yeah, so they fight. kind of factorize it's it. It's a new method it's, of it's thing, and uh, but I don't want to, to go into that very much. Yeah. But also, so yeah. Ethan Hawke is going to the side of the humans. This vampire is joining the humans. I remember something like that. But also and like it's a it's a direction by the Spirig brothers. I never heard of them before. <laughs> Me neither. But yeah. in, in in only lovers of the life in the in that same question can be like asked that well what if all humans go away, then the vampires cannot, cannot exist because they need the blood to survive. Mm. So they, they are immortal, but they are immortal as far as they are humans and they have resources to live. They are not immortal so, in that sense, they just live long enough. And mm. I think maybe in a way, because uh, earlier in the movie they have been so supplying themselves with blood, they have, they have tried to work in a very... Uh, um, intellectual way of living uh, without needing to kill humans and needing to prey on them. That, and then the the, the fact of in the end that they they um, turn into they, they 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 have to desperately make this decision to actually attack a human. It to me it kind of the whole view of that scene kind of feels like a relate their connection to humans. You know, before they they tried to be isolated and out of humans, um, 
but now they kind of this is a very direct connection to human you know they have to get it directly from humans so they cannot live without humans if 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 they wouldn't have the humans around them and without the supplies they would have died but because of humans that they have that there are other humans in life they mm. they it's kind of a realization in a way that you cannot live without each other yeah this adam went as a faust into the hospital regularly mm. as a, with all this equipment and got from dr watson i think <laughs> this uh, o type blood yeah and and uh, mysteriously appeared and mysteriously disappeared and <laughs> yeah. took the blood in <laughs> <Like> detroit <Batman. laughs> yeah oh, very very exciting uh, scene this was. and then this eve she she was a friends with uh, christopher marlow who is by the way a real person from the history yeah yeah he was yeah uh, that was like a joke in a way it was like. kind of the teenage joke i very <laughs> surface thing that, that that's what i want to say also he was born near, a few months apart from william shakespeare this mm-hmm. christopher marlow so uh it, and he supposedly john hurt said as as a christopher marlow said that oh i wrote all this shakespeare mm-hmm. plays and so it's very surface like that when you think about why to take christopher marlow there okay it's easy not to take shakespeare because it would be sound funny like that shakespeare lives in <laughs> a tangier would it be even more surface <laughs> <laughs> so Christopher Marlowe can live in Tangier, but there are a lot of people in the world who know that who is Christopher Marlowe. He who was mm. Christopher Marlowe, but he was a young man. He died very young. By he was shot by somebody. Mm. A, a person was very intelligent and before his time. Like, who shot him? Somebody shot him just to because he was uh, to forward in his ideas mm. so anyway so uh, no he ran away according to Jim Jarmus he ran away and went to Tangier to live to yeah as John Heard who dies very very melodramatic <laughs> and you oh, I, I wrote all the Shakespeare plays yeah and uh, so that sounds think about it this Eve and Adam they lived hundreds and thousands of years, and so they know everybody in the history whom they have ever met. Mm. Everybody who they met. So the people whom we have never heard about, mm. because nobody wrote about them, who didn't do it. So why didn't he take somebody like that? Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe. Because maybe. Yeah, not. It's not re- uh, logical because well, there are a lot of interesting people whom we never know about. Maybe maybe it's a way to communicate to the audience also, you know. If, yeah, if, yeah. if he would have chosen somebody nobody would know, then the effect of thinking that who he is and his part in history would be like lesser, you know, mm. like for, yeah. for the audience to understand the meaning of time. Kind of a teenage thing. You know, like maybe yeah. maybe they chose to mm. present that character because of that, I think. And I, for me, it doesn't really hurt, you know. I, I there is also yeah, other, yeah. there is also other uh, stories that incorporate uh, history elements where we talk about historical characters 
in that we kind of create a more epic or magical uh, environment around them. Shakespeare or Mark Twain or any any like Mark historic... Twain, by the way, went to Tangier. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it's interesting idea to that you say like let's talk about nobodies you know let's talk about people who we don't know in the history and for sure that would be very interesting but i think it doesn't really hurt to also talk about just you know uh yeah. known historical things i yeah, think I I, and i think it's a it's a level thing you know like for yeah. example i didn't know who christopher marlowe was like and yeah most uh, of for me it, for me it was nobody you you said that m most people know who he is, not, or not most people, but uh, there are a lot of people. A lot of people, yeah. But then there are a lot of people who don't know about him. So to them, the effect works. In uh, the sense that he is more nobody. Who don't know who is yeah, the, and, and William Shakespeare? And I don't think the idea is to how far I can go into getting something that nobody knows. You know, like I think that's kind of uh, the op the other. Uh, extreme where we can go to kind of as a creator to, to just to talk about things that nobody else knows and that and that's more legitimate for you to use then um, I think you have to in a way free yourself from from to yeah, that yeah, like, yeah. like also it's like you, wait. See, yeah like you have also said about uh, Chanbuk Park of the Korean director, how he some in his some other movies he uses yeah. like very known classical music. Was it Old Boy? No, uh, that's Kim Ki Duk. No, Old Boy is Chambuk Park. Ah, uh, not ah, uh, not Old Boy, but bad guy. Kim Ki Duk. Yeah, in in that one you you like the fact that he used Swedish the Swedish song in the end. Hymn, a religious hymn. Yeah, which is a very obscure and very weird, and nobody would really know know it. And then you, I remember you said it about Old Boy that he used very known classical music, and that it felt there is no real depth in it. Yeah, yeah. And again, for me, it doesn't really matter. I think it fits in the movie very well. But ah, anyway, maybe I'm not maybe I'm not fair to you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there are all kinds. But there are all kinds of people who watch movies, and <laughs> and I I enjoyed thoroughly, in spite <laughs> yeah. of all these what I would said, I enjoyed thoroughly the whole whole business of Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I have it. So. So, uh, you know, even that when Adam comes in the morning to the living room and said, Oh, Ava, you drank iron? <laughs> yeah. What a joke. Wow. <laughs> Never yeah. heard. No. But I it's think, like, I, I like think a, that's, that's the beauty of Yarmouz is that he can balance that. That it's <laughs> very... That's in all of his movies. He has that. Even broken flowers and all this. There are, there are a lot of comedy in them, and there and it's very subtle comedy. It's very this because his his style is very like he's very static in a way. You know, they're very still and very. It's 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 not not. A, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's a friend with the Finnish film filmmaker Ari Kaurismäki. Aki. Aki Kaurismäki, yeah, Ari is his brother, but and Aki Kaurismäki. Pika Kaurismäki also. Ah, yeah, sorry, yeah. The both brothers who made, the, by the way, the film festival in Lapland in Sodankula. 
the midnight yeah. film festival. Yes, midsummer yeah. film festival. M- midsummer. But anyway, Aki Kaurismäki is famous of his films being with this very, they're like robotic, they're like, mm. they're, they're very static. Exaggerating the Finnish style. Yeah, very exaggerated films and Jarmus and Kaurismäki are very good friends and you can see certain similarity even though Jarmus is much more natural in his, mm. but they, 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 there's a balance. And yeah, and the music in the film was this girl, which I mentioned, I think, in Revenant podcast, I talked yeah, about I because it was a crazy thing for me. But in this film, we have Yasmin Hamid. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. And that's I wanted to say about that. It's a, it's a really a great singer, beautiful, beautiful. So in the end, Kind this day when uh, Eve and Adam are in trouble, they go around in Tangier, and Eve goes to buy him a musical instrument. Mm. So Adam is hearing music in the neighboring cafe, and there we go and see Jasmine Hamid, a woman in Morocco, singing mm. in an all male cafe. Mm. And no other women there, I think. They were all made, and that's strange, I think, that how can she be in that clothing, singing such a sexy, a very emotional, sexual, sexy, sexual uh, mm. uh, music? So how is that possible? Is that at all possible? I think, she's, I think and she's she, Lebanese, she's not Moroccan. So what is she doing there? She's not Moroccan? No, she's Lebanese. Ah, okay, but... It's. I think it could be very possible that 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 kind of event could happen. I, I, I don't. I haven't been no. in Morocco and Tangerine, but like we don't really know the the underground uh, culture there and uh, the it's music one of scene. the dangerous things in Tangerine. I don't know, but <laughs> I I have several thoughts about it. That in in one sense, it's very Yarmus scene. It's very he in his films. I feel like he has a lot of it. it Suddenly, the film can just be about a concert. That sounds know, like music and out of place. Yeah, a, like a scene which is completely something else than the whole rest of the film. Yeah. Suddenly, we stop and hear Yasmin Hamid sing. Yeah, and and it's very beautiful. I feel like in his movies that you can just he can appreciate music so much. Like his his That's film is as much about music as it is about the story itself. And that we just listen to this music, and Adam is just listening, and we are like him, just in awe of this presence. But I feel like in in the story also there, it's. I think it has a place in a sense that. Yeah. In some sense, it's there is in that moment there is present both kind of history, and the future. That we are in this historical place of Tangerine. And it's and she's a very modern woman. Yes, she's a, not all traditional woman. She's not in in traditional clothing. She's very modern. She's very expressing her his sexuality in his in her movement, and the music and is her artistry. Yeah, yeah. and the artistry is both you can see levels of traditions and yeah. history, but also how how this all that time and civilization of human have come through certain uh, evolutions come to pass to the present, you know, to oh. the modern future. Now you explained it. Explain. And, and it's kind of this, it's, 
and I think there is something divine and something very spiritual also in in how Adam looks at her and how he uh, experiences the moment because of how we uh, would describe this old uh, dancing, you know, old, you know, or shamanistic dancing or rituals or performances of how yeah. how art can be something uh, transcending. Yes, you know, it something combines that, things together. Yeah, yeah like how, how, how Eve talks about books and how about arts and how they talk about all these people in the history and all these humans' yeah. uh, evolution in, yeah. in civilization, that this intellectual and this sophistication has kind of transcends us to a higher beings. And the vampires kind of represent level. this, the time yeah. of humans. And I feel like the way he mm-hmm. watches her dance and sing... See, he's he's kind of um, he's giving his witness to this kind of a divine moment, this it's spirit evolution. that is yeah. expressing itself. You know, that encapsulates the whole humanity in it. So, so do you think that um, Adam understood the words of the song? Yeah, for sure, I think because they yeah, were talking see, different languages and. Yeah, and Eve was reading all different languages. Like, was they, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there was in the books. I think was, Eve was reading anything, but Adam also? I think so. Adam is very intelligent. He, he was making mm-hmm. Tesla machines uh, yeah, yeah. just like everyday thing. He was making mm. them in his home. I think they're very intelligent, so for mm. sure. So that's that's why I want to, to still go into that Yasmin Hamid and... Mm-hmm learn what the words of her other songs also and that song mean. Mm. It must be something beautiful. Yeah, for sure. So now you explain it to because that seemed to be irrelevant and separate from the whole rest of the film. Why suddenly are there? Mm, Yeah. But sometimes Hermus has this tendency of saying like about like for example of Broken Flowers he said that he doesn't really know what the movie is about. Yeah, or something yeah. like sometimes he doesn't know really why he does something. Yeah. That's his own word. So maybe, but maybe he does know. And maybe there is subconscious meaning to his things. So it could be that the yeah. scene also is just out of place. But and it's just something that I now came up with. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, you know. it sounds very uh, logical that uh, all all that uh, it's this movie is about. Yeah, I, I think I feel like. At, the layers of culture and what it gives to people, that's the saving of the world. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, I had so many, now I started to think, you see how it went? Yeah. It, I started to think about this music and all, yeah. the, all the rest of it. And now, for sure, I... I lost so many things which I want to mm-hmm. to say. Ah, you know, I don't know. I remember that I want to say a few words about Detroit. Yeah, because okay. we've been on in Tangier mostly because we are Finnish and played African Star and so. Yeah. So anyway, so Detroit is a fascinating place. I think it's most beautiful place in that film. Mm-hmm. In the night, the streets of Detroit. It reminds me of Nightcrawler. Mm, yeah. Uh, no, in the That's night. That's true. Yeah. 
and they even took the body into that old uh, fantastic place which is in ruins and they he dropped him into some acids there mm. acid pool or something they had to get rid of the body ah yeah yeah yeah, yeah when Ava drank iron yeah that's true mm. so they remember. went and also he showed showed the a house there on the way and said he had born this one mm. it was some musician which is famous for everybody but me who, who mm-hmm. was it it's no there was sightseeing in the night in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, th- that's the fun thing about vampire movies that they s- there's so much in the dark it's because they cannot spin the light so there's yeah. no, there's not a lot of outside light, you know, daytime scenarios. It's always in the dark, yeah. just like the letter white one in and out is also. They're just driving in the night in Detroit, and it's very beautiful this nighttime, and uh, Tangerine yeah. also extremely beautiful. And then when when you think about Adam, for instance, and he's very soft spoken and gentle person and so on, and he suffers a lot and he's depressed and wants to kill himself. But then the way he kicks out Eva, Eva, Ava, yeah, with, with the luggage in the from the steps, that's really something. That's great scene. Yeah, he got pissed off with her and kicked her out of the door. Yeah. There's sort of roughness in, in his character in that sense. Like he's he's kind of pissed off at some stuff, and he's, he's more this this emo, gothic, you know, depressed character in the film. And but I love the dynamic of of all of these characters. I yeah, love, all these three people together, and I and two. So, two. how many so, stars did you give? to the film no i want to still say just huh. one more sentence that from that i think that 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 eve came and eva came and so on that saved adam's life mm, yeah because he was uh, going to kill himself so no after that got some energy yeah and i think that that there is a lot there is that whole i think the the you know connection to the ending also like mm. alone Adam was very fragile and couldn't really relove and then Eve had to come there and they to to save him and then when they are both in that desperate moment of doesn't that they are going to die then only them together can they, survive only lovers left alive yeah exactly wow so that's all, and, and that's I think and them as present representing the whole their whole time of being together that how strong and stronger their relation can go and how much they need each other more and more that in a way you can present you can see that as the whole time of human civilization and how humans more and more need each other mm. over time the more the civilization evolves and uh, discovers itself that the more humans are meant to be together and they ah. together can survive so maybe there you can you tell me about this woman you met in the bus yeah so um i i told you uh, before we started the podcast i told you about this uh, moment uh, the one day uh, here ah i have a lot of cats here <laughs> um that 
there was this moment we were driving the bicycle with Meadow and we um, we were just coming out of a movie and we we went past this um, we were in the center of the city and there was this old lady like 80 years old uh, a granny who came out of a bus on a bus stop and it really struck me this appearance of this lady because she was wearing this very old like 50s clothing and everything and we we together with metal we were like this very modern you know like clothing like we represented this modern time you know and she was from this old time and we um you mean she was conservative she was a little bit conservative yeah and in, because she was very much from her own time, you know, of how she she lived, and I I just suddenly I realized her her, you know, her view, her how she was looking like all these modern young people riding with bicycles. As she was looking at. No, no, she was in her own own mind, but that's how I feel she lives, you know, her life. That you mean she was not looking like the young people; she was looking at. No, 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 not that either. She was minding her own business. Nothing that she looks in her life. She's looking at yeah, yeah. young people and buses and telephones and TV and smartphones and and this all this technology. And I, I suddenly yeah. realized that she has lived all her life. She has seen this evolution of technology. She has seen this evolution of time. You know, in her time there wasn't. It's, yeah, yeah. Things have doubled, you know, and ah, she has she, seen uh, this, and that yeah. I think is amazing. That see, because we are born into it, mm. uh, uh, and every generation is born into the current technology, and we take it as as how it is. But then to see the whole transition to this, mm. and especially from that time, before internet, before computers. Ah, that the frigider was a new thing, or washing machine was a new yeah, thing. Yeah, even that, you know. Radio. It's, it's a shower was a new thing. Yeah. Think about, for some people, uh, classes, yeah. uh, reading classes were a new thing. Yeah. Like so in the book, in Umberto Eco's The Name of the Rose, like in that book. Ah, which you haven't yet sent me. Yeah, <laughs> I have to I'm remember really that. interested in that. <laughs> yeah. In that in, in that mo- in that book, they it's fascinating how they how he describes the moment of of them uh, introducing classes, the reading classes, and they oh. they see it as some kind of demonic thing, you know, devilish oh. and something weird and out of this world. It's magical. It's yeah. not real. I, I'm fascinated about this thing, and that's, that's I think mm. in the movie it really encapsulates this idea of time. So there is something in those people, old people. They are not to be cast away. Like no. they have the experience. They have a lot of experience. If mm. there could only be a match, she's kind of an Eve character. This woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think in that sense, like she has a saving ability. Mm? And I think that's that's the way why Yarmus. Uh, chose vampires and why we explore vampires in these movies is kind of representing this this timeline, this generational mm. uh, uh, timeline that, that that has gone through to through the history. And in the movie he Charmus just explores this idea with vampire character that has by itself lived 
for 3,000 years. Yeah, and it can be watched by any age, this film. It's yeah. a, uh, maybe not the little children. <laughs> not maybe a little children, but yeah. but it's it's again like just like we were talking about the previous film that it's not a horror film, and I think even more, this even less even le- less this is a horror film, and there is not there's I think not any frightening scenes. No, there no killings or even or... even in the Swedish film the girl jumped from the tree and she was attacking yeah, yeah. people, but in this there's like hardly any there's no attacking of horrible scenery or something and and we yeah, went with okay. metal we went to see it again <laughs> which one we went to see it with and metal loves this film which uh, one only lovers left alive ah and she's again see i talk about her because she doesn't really like horror films and she would never go to a horror vampire film ah. uh, that would be you know gory and you know she's yeah, not yeah. interested in that so it really says a lot about that and she really was fascinated about these characters and really yeah. felt, because they are, in this film, rather than being as, as monsters and horrifying characters, they are more like very spiritual characters. Yes, they are spiritual characters. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, this is a deeper subject, this, uh, this uh, old people versus younger people and the time passing and the experience. So I went to that with Amour. Haneke's film Amour, and I wrote the article about it. So. Yeah, I I recommend it to you. Yeah, so so, me, so then the me, either stars. I of course I gave it five stars. Every yeah. time I saw it, I gave it five stars. I think I've seen it three times. Even even though it's sometimes a little bit surface. No, yeah, but <laughs> I I I immediately forgive Jarmus because he's a happy person. Yeah, he really enjoys what he does. Yeah. He's a he's a passionate filmmaker like Tarantino, anybody. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And very original. Very, very, very original. And so five. I gave it. I think I gave it maybe nine out of ten. But I'm so hard to find things that I don't like about it, and I felt like yeah. Why was... not uh, ten? So yeah, <laughs> I think I think I if if I gave it nine, I will think I will ever uh, I will escalate it into ten, and it could yeah. be that I already gave it a ten, but for me it's such a beautiful movie. I don't really see bad things about it. Yeah, Maybe no sometimes thoughts. sometimes mm. I have problems with Mia Vasikova's acting. Ah, Mia Vasikovskas. I had problem with John Hurt, but I, even that I thought as a funny thing, and I, yeah. I can laugh. Yeah, and I think they they work very well in their character. I I like John Hurt. I I enjoy his he's this very old English man in movies, and he he fits very well in in yeah. these kind of things. And um, yeah, I think it's ten out of ten, and I yeah. would recommend it to anybody. Unless you really, really don't like vampires and the idea of blood, but the blood even is not—it's not even. They just yeah, drink yeah. it from glasses. There is nothing. From beautiful wine glasses. Yeah, they mm. make it very sophisticated in this mm. film. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. now, now we can stop. But I would—I would like to say something very light to you. And you can leave it or not. Ah, okay. Very light, which is for me. I love these light things, like Dali and, yeah. <laughs> and Larry David or something. Mm-hmm. But you know, I 
I realized you, you've heard such about such a, from such a singer called uh, Paloma Faith. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's a I don't know her. Pop, pop singer and but she's <laughs> whatever you know. This is a, we don't go. I'm I don't have to be deep in uh, so Who knows? Who knows what she is capable of? So anyway, she is uh, actor in uh, in the film Youth. Oh. The Sorrentino's new um, new Youth is one of the characters marry her. And she performs a song there and so on. Ah, okay. So it's kind of a mu music film anyway, but very shortly she's there. Mm -hmm. But then I realized, you know what I realized about her? Yeah. That she looks just like Ethan Hawke. <laughs> and a vampire. This, this, because Ethan Hawke was in Daybreakers, you know. This is a very thin line with, with the going, but she looks like, look at her, she looks like a vampire. <laughs> I think I have to put that picture on the on the on the blog yeah. so that people can also see this picture when you talk yeah, about it. She's, she's like the one by the teeth and everything, <laughs> and she, she's natural here. She's born. Yeah. And if you if you look at Ethan Hawke, and you would put this hair on Ethan Hawke, they would be they could act each other's. Uh, no, Sia is Nautilia. What is Sia is Nautilia? The role of... What is it? To, to play somebody in, in their place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have those actors in every movie that somebody takes the other the role of... <laughs> when the other one gets... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they could be each other's role actors. You know? Yeah, exactly. Ethan Hawke could play her as in in her biographical movie yeah. about her life. So I remember you, you look at youth one day and you will remember this, no? Yeah, yeah. No, Ethan Hawke. Oh. I got much more interested now in youth. <laughs> yeah, but I I admire both of them. I think they have they have qualities. Uh, they are capable of many things. Ethan <laughs> yeah. Hawke and Paloma. Yeah, <laughs> they could be in vampires easily, and Ethan Hawke has been. Yeah, <laughs> Paloma Faith yet not, but now I recommend her. Yeah, she can go to vampirism. What's her What was her name? Paloma Faith. Palom Faith. Paloma Faith. So, yeah, her real name is Paloma Faith, and uh, there's an English surname. <laughs> okay, Some, she's English. <laughs> so you can leave all, all this or or. Put it or take it off as you like, but they, we we can talk about things which come on to our minds. Mm. Yeah, this will tend to my mind. Yeah, well, I think it's all that we have for only lovers of life. I think so. Um, we will quit for now, and then we will talk in the next podcast. We will continue with other vampire movies. I think in overall, there. I don't know if you have mentioned it before, but we will have four altogether. Altogether movies that we will now talk about. We will not say yet which ones. Because <laughs> I would like to give it as a surprise. But here we only already had two of them, and there is still two others to come. To come. Yeah. So yeah. thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, mm -hmm. thanks to everybody. 
and see you next time. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to PC Movie Club podcast hosted by me, Aaron, and my mother Lisa. To learn more about our episodes, you can go to pcmovieclub.com and look up more content of our podcast, like for example a detailed timeline of the topics discussed in each episode, and a summarized list of the movies we mentioned, in case something caught your ear but you missed the title. Not to forget to mention, of course, our amazing unique cover illustrations for every podcast and article done by either me or my mother. The great guitar piece you heard under the sound effects and dialogue from a movie in the opening theme was composed by a talented Spanish artist Javier Suarez. God, I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Who offers original music through his website betterwithmusic.com to be used in all kinds of audiovisual projects under the Creative Commons license. So do check out his music. I hope you enjoyed your time with us as much as we enjoyed making it.